This comes from the uh, Gospel of Matthew. It is, uh, and before I do that, let, let me pray. Let me pray before we do that. Let's, let's pray. Gracious God, open our hearts and our minds and our souls and to your very presence among us. And as we read the scriptures today, as we study them, as we pontificate upon them, as I preach upon them, may your spirit flow into each and every one of us and help us to understand what you need to say to us today. Amen. The scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of Matthew. This is chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. And this is Jesus talking. This is Jesus talking. If that anyway means it's a little weightier, okay? A little weightier, all right? Therefore, he says, I tell you, do not worry about life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add an hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will I eat? Or what will I drink? Or what will I wear? For it is the Gentiles who seek all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Here ends the reading. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Sorry. I need to brush up on my liturgy, don't I? <laughs> well, Tom asked me to speak this Sunday, and he told me he was going to be in a four-part sermon series about the four fabulous superpowers that Christians have to help us uh, live in this crazy world. And he preached on the first three, which were Sabbath, letting go of a difficult past, and not being anxious about now, he told me future when he told it to me, but last week he, he turned it up a notch and he said not being worried about death, you know, and that to me was like, oh, okay, that, we just went to 11 on that one, right? You know, that, that's, that's what he did, and, and this is what I've heard. I've heard that if you are depressed, you're thinking too much or wrongly about your past, and if you're anxious, you're thinking too much or wrongly about the future. Now, that's an oversimplification. When letting go of the past, though, Tom pointed us to the Apostle Paul, who reminds us that if anyone is in Jesus Christ, we are new creations, and the old has gone, and the new is here. And when feeling anxious about death, Tom pointed us to Jesus, who said, do not let your hearts be troubled. 
because I go to prepare a place for you. And where I am, I will come back and lead you there. And the antidote to depression and anxiety is Sabbath. Sabbath is taking time to focus on the presence of God here and now. You see, Jesus is the answer. When you're thinking wrongly or too much about the past and it's upsetting you, turn your thoughts to Jesus who forgives and redeems and restores. And when you're thinking wrongly or too much about the future or about death, turn your thoughts to Jesus who is already there and he's gone to prepare a place for you and he will come and guide you to where he is. Today is about the fourth fab. And the fourth fab is valuing relationships over things. Valuing relationships over things. Now that, you know, it appears to be a no-brainer, right? That's a no-brainer. Of course we value relationships over things. To answer differently would be odd. You know, people would look at you sideways if you said you valued things over relationships. You'd want to, you know, safeguard your children and your pets from that kind of a person, you know? Uh, kids, stay away from Uncle Bill because he, he values things over uh, relationships, over pe uh, people. So, so just stay away from him. But I want you to think about this. Someone might say, I love my wife and I love my truck. And my truck does so many good things for me. And if I had to choose... I don't own a truck, by the way. I, I just want to, you know, and I'm not saying anything bad about anybody that owns a truck because I might may, need to move something someday, right? You know, but we, all, we also might say, I like my husband and I love my house. And if my husband would just take, pick up those wet towels <laughs> and fix that squeaky hinge or whatever, I would love my house more, right? That's a, and, and we laugh about that. We laugh about that. And yet every one of us knows someone, and maybe this is you yourself, who has made those kinds of value judgments at the end of a relationship. You know? That's mine, that's mine, that's yours. I never did care about that stuff and take it all with you when you go out the door. Or just the opposite. I don't care about that, that is yours, but this and this and this are mine and I'm taking it with me when I walk out the door. And anyone who's experienced that knows it's not good. Even if it's a toxic relationship, even if the Holy Spirit's saying, get out! Get out now and get out quick, right? It's never fun to start dividing up things and leave a relationship because things don't lead to a life filled with happiness. How many of you ever heard of blue zones? You know blue zones, what blue zones are? Really? Nobody's heard of blue zones? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Blue zones are zones, areas around the world. You can react to me, by the way. I'm, I'm not up here just, you know, I'm pontificating, but I do like a little energy coming back, right? Right? Am I right? Yeah. So when I ask you, you can say, yeah, Pastor Bill, or whatever. Now, please. Anyway, blue zones are around, <laughs> those zones around the world where people live longer, healthier, happier lives. Greece. Japan, Italy, 
Costa Rica, even Loma Linda, California. You know, I mean, I, although they may be not as happy right now because of the hurricane that just went through their backyards, right? Experts study these zones, though, and they've discovered what we've heard all along. If you eat well, if you, you know, stay away from over-processed food, eat fresh vegetables and, and fruits and, and low in fat and low in sugar and so forth. If you exercise, you know, take a 30-minute walk in nature. If you drink plenty of water and so forth, all of this helps people live longer, healthier, and happier lives. However, there is one thing that is consistently makes folks healthier, happier, and live longer, whether you live in a balloon zone or not. The world's longest scientific study of humans uh, has been conducted by Harvard University. It follows individuals for generations to see what makes people thrive. And the results show that it doesn't matter if you're 9 or 90. It doesn't matter if you're well-educated or you come up in the school of hard knocks. It doesn't matter if you live in a blue zone or not or if you're rich and poor, any of that. He says the key to a happy and healthy long life remains the same. It's social fitness. Social fitness. According to Dr. Robert Waldinger, he says being socially fit means you prioritize and nurture relationships you value on a regular basis. Connections provide a sense of fulfillment and are vital to our happiness and well-being. Wow. Think about that. You know, if something is upsetting you and, and, and you're, you're ruminating on it, you know, maybe it happened a couple of days ago or a week ago, but it just still seems to be hanging around and you're thinking about it. If you can go home to someone who's a really good listener... Or if you can call them on the phone, as you talk to them, their, their body, your body just literally calms down. Has that ever happened to you? You know, you're upset and you're thinking about something and you're kind of jittery and everything, you know, and you, and you talk to somebody and you just pour it out. You just spew at them, right? You just spew at them and you let it all out. And, and, and then you go like, wow, I feel so much better now. Or maybe you're on the other end. Maybe you're the listener, you know? You, you ask somebody, what's going on? And bleep, they spew at you, you know? And, and, and they get done and they go like, thank you so much. I feel so much better. And you think, I didn't say anything, right? I just listened. Too often we consider time with friends and family a special treat. You know, an add-on rather than thinking about relationships as being essential to our overall well-being. It's like eating and breathing and drinking. And Waldanger says, he, he says, we must really attend to. Another word for attend to is value. We must really value relationships to live longer, healthier, and happier lives. Valuing relationships over things is a superpower. What does Jesus say about this? Well, in our scripture today, Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about life, about what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? 
In short, he's saying, life is more than things. Life is more than things. And, and by the way, he said, therefore. Now, what do we know about therefore in the Bible? Whenever we hear therefore in the Bible, we have to go back and see what it's there for. And by the way, this is Jesus, right? This is Jesus saying therefore. So maybe his therefore carries a little bit more weight. So back we go. We turn the page back. We go back. And, 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 and uh, so here he is, and he's in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. It, char- it starts in page or chapter 5 and goes to chapter 7. If you've got your Bibles with you, you can look it up. Look it up. And chapter 5 begins with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are the peace. He's, you know, he's, he's, set, he's setting all these things forward. He, he says, this is how you follow me. This is how you walk in the way. This is how we bring the kingdom of God to earth. So prior to this, therefore, in chapters 5 and 6, Jesus is, is saying all this. He's saying the Beatitudes, and then he says, you're the salt of the earth. You're a light in the world. What did he say? He said, you are. He didn't say, I am the light of the world. He said, no, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He says, seek justice and righteousness. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when Roxy DeLong came to preach? She used this very scripture, didn't she? She, she? she talked about how in this community, all of you taught her how to seek justice and righteousness, taught her that she was the light of the world, and taught her how to value relationships over things. You did that. You're doing this without even knowing you're doing it. Jesus goes on. He says, when you pray to your heavenly Father, this is how you should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's right. In chapter 6, right before, just a few short verses before this, therefore, Jesus is offering the Lord's Prayer. He talks about your eye. He says what you focus on, what you pay attention to, is, is, is valued to you. And he talks about fasting, and he talks about treasure, and he talks about sharing. And all those teachings are about valuing relationships over things. Your relationship with God, your papa, your father in heaven, your relationship to other people, seeking justice and righteousness. He even defines what your relationship with things should be. He says, look, you know, you you need to treasure things that are going to be left in heaven, not here where they rot. And at this, it's at this point that Jesus says, Therefore, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Don't worry about things. Why do we lock things up? How many of you drove here today? This is one of those things where you can respond to me, all right? You drove here today, right? How many of you, as you left your car in the parking lot out there, locked the door? Yeah, me too. This is a church, people, right? You know, this, you know we're coming to church, right? 
You know, and you might say, well, you don't know what's going to happen in that parking lot when we're all in here. Have you looked around this neighborhood? This is not a neighborhood I would, I've been in neighborhoods that I'd be scared of, right? This is not one of those neighborhoods. But we lock everything. We put passwords on our phones, on our computers. We lock everything down. Why? Because society tells us that there are threats out there. People are going to steal your stuff. And you need to protect your things. Society teaches us to value things sometimes over relationships. Actually, more often over relationships. And so how do we react? We react out of fear, not love. One of the things I've come to understand about myself and my marriage, which, by the way, is a relationship I value, so let's just put that out there, is that healthy finances mean security to me. When our finances are tight, when they've taken a significant hit, maybe it's a, 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 a car repair bill that we didn't expect, or a home maintenance bill that we didn't expect, or a, a medical bill that we didn't expect, whenever that happens, I respond out of fear. And by that I mean I am not nice. I am snarky when that happens. I get really, really snarky. And by the way, you can check with my reference over here, my wife, you know. You know, I just, you know, is she smiling? Is she smiling? You know, is she smiling? Okay, I'm still good. All right. Wow. She will tell you that historically, when it comes to difficulties with our finances, our relationship suffers. And in short, it's because I am afraid. I act out of fear, not faith. I feel insecure. Now, thankfully, I'm self-aware, right? (laughs) And I know that about myself. So when I start getting snarky, I kind of say, oh, oh, yeah. What's this about? And I, I said, I need to change how I react. Also, thankfully, she knows this as well. So when I start acting sna- snarky, she, she might say, Bill, are, are you feeling insecure about finances? Which, by the way, I hate when she does that because she's right, right? And she's correct. She's calling me out. She's making me accountable. You see, all of you think you left your security blanket in the crib, right? When you left home, you left your security blanket like that. Not true. Your security blanket just became more sophisticated. It's now your checkbook. You know, it's your home. It's whatever, you know, it's, it's some of the things that you have. Holy cow. And so we have to be warned about that. Because those things we think make us feel secure, but do they really? You see, Jesus values security too. He's not blind to our reality. God knows what you need. Jesus even said that, the birds and the grass, the lilies, you know. God knows what you need. God also knows that not everybody on earth has what they need because he knows that earth, the people here, us humans, have chosen to live as if we always need more things. Nevertheless, Jesus joins us. Paul puts it this way. Jesus, being in very essence God, thought that wasn't something to 
to, to hoard, but instead he came down and became one of us. He came down to this messed up, painful, greedy world. He chose to live among us with love for God, a relationship, love for all of us, a relationship, love for all creation. Jesus chose to value relationships over everything else, even when doing so included his own suffering and death. So here when Jesus starts preaching the good news of God's kingdom, he's envisioning the fulfillment of God's long-standing promise that he's going to eradicate corruption and completely renew all creation. Jesus points us toward God's kingdom. God's kingdom. He says we need to establish a world where relationships are valued over things. Where you know that you are loved, especially by God, and you love everyone else. That's God's kingdom. And at the very least, you know that you are valued. Every single one of us are valued, and we want to value others. Jesus proclaims we must love all people because all people are God's people. This is the kingdom of God. Imagine living in a world where you know that no one will deliberately harm you. Think about that. Think hard about that. You imagine living in a world where you know that no one will deliberately harm you. You know, John Wesley, the the founder of Methodism, he, he put the kingdom of God into three simple rules. You remember this? Russ, you remember this? He said, first, do no harm. Second, do good. And third, stay in love with God. Imagine living in a world where everyone you met, you knew, was not going to harm you. That everyone you met was trying to do good. That everyone you met was in love with God. And it's abundant world. It's an abundant world. There's no hoarding or competing for resources. Do y'all remember the toilet paper scare of 2020, you know, back in the pandemic, you know? Oh, you couldn't find toilet paper anywhere, you know? I mean, you'd, you'd go to Walmart, you go to Kmart, you go to, you know, the, you, know you travel to, you know, wherever. You, you couldn't find it anywhere. That is a prime example of valuing things over people. Things over relationships. By the way, if that ever happens again, if you can't find toilet paper at the Dollar General, if you've gone to Galesburg and Pekin and Bloomington and you can't find any, call me. (laughs) All right? We just bought a 12-pack. I think I've got nine rolls that I can share. In a world where where no one's going to harm you, where everybody's trying to do good, we're all in love with God, there's no violence. There's no threats. There's no deadbolts. There's no padlocks. There's, There's no passwords. How would you live differently if you lived every day in God's kingdom? Would racism or sexism or ageism or anyism or prejudice exist? Would you be afraid of any person who is different from you if you lived in God's kingdom? 
where relationships are valued over things? Would you be afraid of someone who had less than you? Would you be afraid of someone who has more than you? And this doesn't depend on any one particular form of government or economy. Communism or capitalism? Conservative or liberal? Autocratic, which means kingdom, right? And we're in the kingdom of God, all right? Or democratic, which reflects the free will that God gives all of us, right? You can be any and all of those things. It doesn't matter as long as you value relationships over things. So if this applies everywhere, you know what this is? It's a universal truth. You know, you got people say, oh, there are no universal truths. This is one. You know, if, if you value relationships over things wherever, whenever, in every situation, it is a fab four superpower. I want to tell you a story. A month ago, I told you a story about, we, we had three daughters, and I told you a story about our youngest daughter. Um, and I, I won't, <laughs> if you remember that, thank you, because <laughs> you were paying attention. <laughs> but now I'm going to tell you a story about our middle daughter. And she worked for several years. It was her first job, well, not her first job, but it, it was her first career, right? And she worked for several years for a company. And as she worked for them through these years, she noticed something. She said, they don't value relationships. They don't value people. She witnessed as they devalued employees. She witnessed them as they devalued their own clients. She witnessed as they devalued so many things. And she kept, this bothered her and bothered her and bothered her. And, and she saw such potential in this company. She kept sticking around and thinking, boy, if they could just get over the hump here. And then shortly uh, uh, after the new year, the CEO of the company went around and gave a little pep talk, and she said, these are our goals for the next five years. And she stood up there and she said, goal number one is profit. That's our goal. In fact, she said, the rest of the goals, we're not going to talk about, because if we do profit, everything else will fall into place. And our daughter came and talked to us about that, and she goes, I don't know. She said, I don't like this. She said, I think a better goal would be to add value to our customers, to add value to the people that use our facilities, to add value to the community, to serve other people. But she witnesses more employees were devalued, and they began to leave. And finally, they devalued her so much that she said, this is it. Here's my two-week notice. I quit. Now, remember I told you that I get snarky when finances get a little sketchy? And here, my, my daughter is unemployed, right? You know, I'm thinking, how long before she moves into the basement, right? You know, I mean, that's kind of what's going through my mind. And I'm trying really, really hard not to be snarky about it and to be supportive. I mean, I don't want her to be devalued. And I was really worried about this. But you know what she did? All through those years of being in that company, she had valued relationships over things. She had made wonderful relationships with the clients she served. 
She had made wonderful relationships with the companies that helped her serve those clients. She had made wonderful relationships with the competition. She had made wonderful relationships with the employees who had now left and gone on to other things. So she got on the phone and she called them and she had breakfast and lunch and coffee and happy hour with all these other relationships. And then they said, hey, we've got relationships. You know, I mean, she'd sit down and she'd say, how it's going? And then they'd say, how it's going with you? And she'd tell them and they'd, and they'd say, hey, I have a friend you need to call. So, so then she'd have another breakfast. She'd have another lunch. And she had all these, she was leaning into these relationships. Do you know within six weeks, she had five companies offer her a position for more money than she was making before? Whoever raised her is brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. No, they, no yeah, I'm, I'm thanking her, not, you know. Now, here's the thing. That's a, that's a feel-good story. That's a, you know. But we know, we know that we can't control bad things that happen to us. We can't control the bad things that happen to other people. But we, what we can control is how we intentionally determine what our reactions to those things are. Will we value things over relationships? Or will we use a fabulous superpower and value relationships over things? Jesus tells us that a person's life, your life, my life, his life, her life, them, they, their life is much more valuable than things. And Jesus teaches us. It's in our scripture today, folks. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his uh, uh, righteousness, which is what? Relationships. And then he continues. And all these, what? What does he say? All these things. Things will be given to you as well. We have four fabulous superpowers. We can experience Sabbath that connects us to God. We can let go of the past because we know we're forgiven. We know that God works at redeeming and restoring everything that's gone before. We can stop being anxious about the future or about death because we know Jesus is already there and he's already won the victory and he's inviting us on. And then Jesus invites us to value relationships over things. And that, folks, is how we participate in restoring the whole world bringing God's kingdom near. Let's pray. Let's pray. Gracious God, the world gives us so many pressures. Help us to remember that our life is valuable in your hands. Help us to remember that, you know, you, you clothe the birds and you feed the birds, and you clothe the, the lilies of the field, and you do all that, and you know what our needs are. But the greatest need of all that Jesus taught us is to be in relationships. So help us, Lord. This week, we're going to run into a decision. We're going we're to find ourselves caught between a thing and a relationship. And Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to help guide us and direct us 
to honor and value that relationship. To let the things be the things. And let the relationship shine in love. Lord, we love you. And we know you love us. Help us to love others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.